Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. We're told President Trump is on his way down to Florida today. Uh, he's going down there, they say, to console the families of the victims of the uh, mass murder that occurred there the other day. And always interesting uh, when these happen, and sadly they happen on such a regular basis these days, that uh, depending on who the uh, alleged perpetrator is, uh, it depends on how the government people will spin this. And uh, this was a, a local, uh, so all of a sudden this is a mental health issue. It's not a terrorist threat. And, uh, but gun control is something they just don't want to talk about. And we heard the same spin that we've heard the other times that there have been mass shootings like this. This is not the time to talk about gun control. You're too emotional right now. Of course, the problem with that is that when is the time? You know, if, if in fact they're, they're, they're predicating this on the fact that, well, you can't talk about gun control too long after one of these incidents occur. One of them happens every week now. So when do you talk about it? The reality is they don't want to talk about it. But something has to happen. How does the United States break the cycle of shooting and the condolences and the inaction? I'm getting sick and tired of political officials saying thoughts and prayers are with them. Well, we're not going to do anything about it. Ju Young Lee is an associate professor of sociology at the University of Toronto, uh, specializing in gun violence. And sadly, there's so many stories of that these days. Professor, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. How do you how do you break this cycle that's going on? I mean, I, we we all get frustrated by it. We all get angered by some of the comments that are made by elected officials, but but sadly, it, it, in this, these days of news cycles, about four or five days after that anger, uh, we, we I, I don't know if we forget about it, but it just seems as if the the argument goes away, and and so does the anger and the frustration until the next time. Exactly, and I think you uh, captured a lot of the the feelings that people have right now, that people feel like these um, vapid statements from politicians who are being funded by the NRA just aren't cutting it anymore. You know, Marco Rubio, senator out of Florida, tweeted uh, on the day of the shooting something to the effect of sending dots and prayers, can't believe something like this could happen, um, which I find very disingenuous. This is a guy who has received over $3 million in funding from the NRA to push their agenda, uh, some of which is to defeat very common-sense legislation that could make it harder for the wrong people to get guns. Um, the legislation that um, people like Marco Rubio have supported would not affect 99% of the lawful gun owners in the U.S., uh, these are measures that would keep guns out of people who can't go on airplanes because they've been deemed a risk. They've been put on no-fly no fly lists. So I, I share in some of your frustration and anger and sadness um, because we're, we're, we're back where we, we are very frequently. And I think the, the only thing that can happen is people have to go to the polls but they tried that last year, of course, during the presidential election, and gun control was one of the major elements in that election. And, and, and the mantra from Trump and many of the people, including Rubio, that you've just talked about, their mantra was, these people are trying to take your guns away from you. And, and, and people, I guess, in that base bought that, and in in that fear-mongering work as it resonated with them. But can we talk about that for a second? Because, uh, first of all, it, it's become very clear that Donald Trump doesn't know a damn thing about the U.S. Constitution. He just uses it as a weapon to hit people with, but doesn't understand the content. The chances of any government or any president 
taking guns away is virtually impossible because of the, the makeup and what has to happen for that to occur. Yeah, that's never even been on the plate, by the way. So, like, the you know, the NRA is very good at mobilizing their base. Um, one of the things that we learn from people who study election cycles is that uh, the reason why the NRA is so good is because they're able to mobilize everyone around a single issue. They're able to get their supporters to the polls uh, when it counts because they, they, they instill fear in them and they say, look, if you don't have a gun, you're not going to be safe. And if you don't vote for candidates who are pushing the gun rights agenda, then uh, the government is going to come and take your guns away. But that's that's never been a thing. And, you know, Donald Trump um, came out yesterday and, and gave one of these speeches that was full of a bunch of platitudes. He said something about how he's, he's going to focus on mental health. Well, that's that's kind of ironic, given the fact that one of his first orders as president was to reverse an Obama-era bill that made it more difficult for the mentally ill to get firearms. So that was one of the first things he did in office. And, you know, he and his Congress, the Republicans in Congress, have been working tirelessly to try and dismantle Obamacare, which would leave 25 million people without access to mental health care coverage. So I think that there's a lot of hypocrisy going on, and I think people are, I, I'm hoping people are seeing through it. Well, I hope they do as well, and I'd like to be able to think that some people would be a little more educated, uh, because that that's going to come out again. You know, they're going to take your guns. Uh, I believe it's 65 to 70 percent, I think it is, of both houses of Congress have to support that, plus 65 percent of all of the state legislatures, and that's never going to happen. And, and nobody's ever suggested that they ban guns. Now, nobody in government, anyway. Uh, what they've talked about doing is, is, is tightening the controls so that people that are at risk like this don't have access to guns. But this guy, as, as what we've heard anyway, uh, and again, these are you know just the initial reports, is this, this gun that he owned, he got legally. I, he went through those channels, and he was okayed. I mean, what's that tell you about the system? It tells me that the system is broken, and this is exactly what people who are advocating for sensible gun control are saying, and you're right, he did go. So in Florida, you you can buy an AR-15 if you're 18 years old, and if you go to a store, you have to submit your license and fill out a uh, background check. That goes to a database, and as long as you've never been convicted of a felony or you've never been hospitalized involuntarily or dishonorably discharged from the military, uh, all of which are very serious kinds of offenses, then you'll never get flagged. And this is not a, a, a kind of rare thing. Most, most mass shooters get their guns legally. It's not like they know gun runners or traffickers and they are part of an underground world of criminals. No, they go to the store and they, they buy the gun legally and then they murder people. And we, we sort of get away from that very simple fact, that reality, when politicians come out and say, this is not a gun issue, this is a mental health issue. Well, it, it's both, but we can't ignore the fact that this guy got the gun legally. But mental health issues are not exclusive to the United States. I mean, there are people all over the world that are dealing with some of these these mental health conditions, or, or, whether it's depression, any number of things, uh, and there's the medications involved in that. That's, that's a diff, a, an argument and a, dis, a debate that has to happen. We get that. But the, 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 the common thread through the ones in the United States that the, the Trump and Rubio and so many others don't want to talk about is if somebody is in that condition, they have easy access to firearms. Exactly. And in, in, in the U.K., they don't. In Australia, they don't. In Canada, they don't. 
that person may still have something, and, and there may sadly be a tragedy as a result, but not mass shootings. They don't happen. And the statistic, I guess, that just blew me away, and sadly, it's a truism, is I guess in the last 20 years worldwide there have been 18 mass shootings in schools. In the United States there have been 18 of them since the new year. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a sad, sad statistic. that The U.S. is the only wealthy uh, Western nation where this kind of thing happens. And it's not just it happening here and there, as you alluded to, it's happening a lot. Um, yeah, it, it's, it should make people angry and sick. But, um, you know, I think one of the things we also know about these tragedies is that there are two different kinds of responses to them. Uh, one is to say, we really need to buckle down on um, different loopholes and policies that allow people to get guns too easily. The other side is, uh, you know, largely informed by the NRA's narrative, which is to, uh, oh, well, if we just had guns in the schools or if we had more guns everywhere, um, we could all be safe. The irony in that, though, is that the same people who advocate for gun-free zones at schools or abolishing gun-free zones at schools are also in favor of making sure that guns cannot come into legislative offices and, and Congress and so forth. So there's a little bit of hypocrisy when people talk about abolishing gun-free zones. Yeah, as long as it's not in a zone where, you know, where they are. I mean, they, they, they want to make sure that they're safe in the Senate chamber. But, uh, you know, you want to go to a Walmart while well, you're taking your life into your hands. Yeah, exactly. There's, and, a, there's a certain contradiction there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, one thing I talked about today on CTV was that I think Canada actually has a great system in place. The, the gun control policies in Canada are very sensible. Uh, there's a waiting period. You have to wait 30 days. You have to go through a safety training course, right? And the 30-day period is significant because it gives the RCMP time to uh, do their due diligence and check on people to make sure that they're uh, going to be a responsible gun owner, you have to renew that license. Um, you know, these things are not going to limit people's ability to own guns. Like the, the lawful gun owner who wants to go hunting, who wants to go to the range, they're still going to be able to get their guns. It's just going to be a little bit more time and paperwork. Um, but the fact is, is that in the U.S., in places like Florida, you can just go into a store and 20 minutes later you can walk out with an AR-15 that has a 30-round clip that allows you to just go and shoot multiple rounds into a, a crowd of civilians. And do it again the week after. And do it again the week after, which is why that guy in Las Vegas was able to, to, to bring an arsenal up to his hotel room. Yeah, exactly. And it, actually, yesterday there was a tweet I saw of a, a kid. I, I believe he might have been in South Carolina, but I'm not 100% sure. And he, he posted a photo on Snapchat with himself. He's standing in front of a mirror with a mask on and an AR-15 saying, this is going to be Florida part two. And then I, I think he, he's, he has been arrested. Since. But, you know, this is something that is uh, it's a symptom. It, it, it shows a sickness in American society. The, the element, and I know that Trump's going to play this up again today when he speaks down there, I guess. And I'm sure they'll find a crowd of people that are going to be supportive of him. And he'll play to that. But he's going to bring up the mental health issue again, Professor. And, and no, I'm not a doctor, uh, but but I think there's an argument to be made that anybody that would take a rifle and run into a school and pull the fire alarm and start shooting people, 
uh, by definition, has some mental health issues. So that that's that's maybe a given. And and yeah, we do need to have a talk about the factors that can contribute to those sorts of conditions. But where is the discussion about the guns themselves and the accessibility for people like that? Why why is there such a hesitancy? Is it because of the strong arm of the NRA that that they won't even allow a discussion or a debate about it? Yeah, I think that's the biggest reason. I mean, you, if you go down the list of people like Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, um, Paul Ryan, all of these key members in Republican Congress uh, have been in the pocketbooks of the NRA for years. And, you know, they, they, their voting records, they're all online, you know, attest to that, that they've been strongly in favor of, of, of turning away policies that, uh, most Americans, by the way, are are in favor of. You know, even even lawful gun owners are in favor of. So, you know, they've they've had an extraordinary influence over over um, you know the policy landscape in the U.S. And you know, this is a multi-billion-dollar industry. Like the the firearms industry, you know, like stands to gain and lose a lot depending on how members of Congress vote. But I I, I rarely, if ever, hear of anybody in elected office saying anything about a ban. Uh, I mean, even last year's election. I mean, you know, Joe Biden, the vice president at the time, uh, I think he even talked about it during the national, the Democratic convention. Said you don't need semi-automatic weapons. You don't need assault rifles. He said, get a shotgun if you want to go. And and of course, the response from the NRA was, well, that's only going to take the first two guys out that are coming through your door. Uh, I, I, assuming there's going to be, I guess, some sort of a, a full force invasion to break into somebody's house. I mean, the scenarios that they paint to try to justify their position are are mind boggling. Yet people seem to simply buy that as a matter of fact. Yeah, totally. And related to that image, um, the NRA is also really good at selling the hero myth, the idea that um, people, when they're armed, are somehow safer, that they can you know, use their gun like John Wick in the heat of the moment and kill a whole room of bad guys, you know, never mind that that rarely ever happens. Uh, and never mind that people who are actually trained with guns, like military personnel, police officers tell you that shooting at the range and shooting in real life are two very different things. So they've sold this kind of hero myth as well. And it's kind of given birth to what we know as the super gun owner. So, you know, the U.S. leads the world in terms of per capita gun ownership. Um, but one of the interesting things in the data, if you start to look closer, is that there are the, there's this niche of people who now own like 15, 16, 17 guns, um, and they're building these arsenals. Now, a lot of those people are very lawful gun owners, so it's not as if you know anybody's blaming these individuals, but their consumption is driving this industry that in turn makes it easier for the wrong people to get guns. Every time this happens, and, and here we are, you know, mourning more deaths now, there's always this, this maybe it's a hope, uh, it's not a belief anymore, maybe it's a hope that this will be the incident that, that will be the, the tipping point, that maybe things are going to happen. Are you, are you any more confident than we have been in the past? I want to be, you know, my head says yes, my heart says no. Um, Sandy Hook was sort of seen as a watershed moment. And I think a lot of people felt like if a bunch of small school children in an idyllic white middle class neighborhood in Connecticut getting killed uh, with an AR-15 by a, by a lone gunman wasn't enough to really change things, then, you know, it, I don't want to say nothing will, but it, it seems like the road ahead is going to be tough. Um, but I think the, the first step is going to be how our voters going to vote in 2018. 
Yeah, that's uh, just about six, seven months away. Professor, always a pleasure having you on the program. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you for having me. Take care. Professor Ju Young Lee, Associate Professor of Sociology at the University of Toronto uh, with a specialty in gun violence. And sadly, that's a growing trend these days to have that kind of expertise and needed because of the incidents that go on almost on a weekly basis. And you know there will be more, sadly. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.